women of a certain age have a lot to contribute and there's no reason why we have to have a shelf life while our male colleagues can get gray and wrinkled and they can stay on the air you know well past their prime Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are changing the way we think about what is possible in our lives, especially as we age. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager, and I love to hear from my listeners, so leave me a comment on ZestfulAging.com. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was also a guest on Zestful Aging. It's off of her new CD, Buffalo Motel, and you can find out more about her uh, on JudyBanker.com. Well, as usual, I've got my loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side. (laughs) So let's begin. We have a very important episode for you today, and it fits in perfectly with Women's History Month. Five anchor women at New York One, one of the country's most prominent local news channels, are suing their employer over age and gender discrimination, alleging a systemic effort by managers to force them off of the air in favor of younger, less experienced hosts. And we'll be speaking with two of these women today. Roma Torre has won dozens of journalism awards, including two Emmys in her 35-year career covering every major news event in New York City. She currently hosts New York One's live noon hour. She's also an award-winning theater critic. And we also will be speaking with Kristen Shaughnessy, who's been an anchor at New York One since 1995. She's the winner of numerous awards. And uh, she is one of the Irish-American power women. And she was live at the scene from the World Trade Towers when they came down in 9-11. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. And I know that you have been very busy covering the virus. I I already know from Kristen's Facebook profile that she's up at 2 a.m. So <laughs> you guys, I don't know how you do it. I really don't. So you've got a lot going on. and Without I'm, coffee. With, <laughs> that, that is, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that one at all. But let me, let me just ask you, you know, these are two really big things going on uh, you know, on the air. And also, this is a landmark lawsuit. How are you navigating both at the same time? Roma? Yeah, well, <laughs> well uh, you know, you, you have to compartmentalize your life when you have all of these big events um, happening at the exact same time, because we are hearing from our lawyers uh, fairly often. I'm also Uh, in contract negotiations. And so that's taking up a lot of my time. But uh, when I walk into the newsroom, I don't think about those things. Honestly, I I put all of that aside because what we do on New York One is just so, um, so intense moment to moment. And, you know, you, you, you see news anchors, oftentimes we just look like 
you know, we're pretty talking heads, but there's a lot more to it. We're researching our stories and uh, making phone calls and then certainly writing and editing, copy editing, et cetera. So uh, the second I walk into that newsroom, I am focused uh, exclusively on the news at hand. And as you know, the coronavirus has just dominated our every waking moment. So even when I go home, I just actually, just this moment, I had to tear myself away from listening to the president on a live news conference talking about the coronavirus, just so I could be up to speed when I walk in the door on Monday morning. So mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it's never ending. You know, I've always said to the young people, this is not a glamorous job by any stretch of the imagination. This is a calling. I mean, this is something that we do very much like a, a priest or a doctor would regard their work. Um, mm -hmm. We are here to serve the public and it's, it is a 24 seven occupation. You said something that I think really uh, is a nice segue. You said, this is not a glamorous job, uh, but it does sound like some people believe that's what it should be about. Uh, unfortunately, yes, they do. But I, I would say 90%, maybe, uh, Kristen, you might chime in on this, but 90, 95% of the uh, working women and, and men in our business don't really make a big salary at all. Um, I mean, there there is an emphasis on appearance, obviously, so we have to look glamorous. At least that's what some of our uh, bosses want us ha, want, want us to look like. But honestly, um, we're, in my mind, in my head, it's it's not about looking good. It's about doing good work. Um, mm -hmm. But but you know what? I I have said this in the past. It used to be that um, beauty queens would aspire to be newswomen and. More and more and more, I'm seeing newswomen aspiring to be beauty queens, and mm -hmm. that that to me that's unfortunate, and it it doesn't it doesn't really make sense in, in our current climate. Yeah, so, journalism has to like be in your core. You have to just want to consume news constantly, and I think we're all just hungry for information and to be relayers of that information. Facts mm -hmm. matter. Yep, they do. I see. So when did uh, the two of you, and this may have happened at different times, start getting an inkling that things were changing and that perhaps you were not getting uh, the respect or the airtime or, you know, um, I, I don't know exactly how it goes uh, in your industry, but you were starting to say, wait a minute, something's changed, something's different here, and it's not feeling good. I think it may have been with me, right, Roma, when we saw, it was yeah, we, there were a bunch of changes that were made and I was excluded from all of them. And I had been the main fill-in morning and dayside anchor for 22 years at that point. And there was no discussion. And when I asked, they told me I was not owed an explanation. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. There was a, there was a, a point, uh, uh, about three years ago, I guess it was when, or two, yeah, I guess it was three years ago mm -hmm. when, uh, and it was right around uh, actually almost exactly three years uh, from this month that um, our new parent company fired a bunch of uh, mostly older on-camera people. And that was sort of a wake-up call to me. Um, and I uh, fortunately was not in the that group, but it, it started to dawn on me, uh-oh. <laughs> and then um, that year, I think it was, that uh, New York One was celebrating its 
25th anniversary. And I was actually the very first person hired to be on camera at New York One in April of 1992. And nobody wanted to do anything with me. Nobody wanted to celebrate my 25 years. And I really thought, what a wonderfully you know, promotable opportunity uh -huh. it is for the company to say, hey, Roma's with us 25 years. I mean, just, you know, the fun that Mm -hmm. would have uh that they they could have tapped into looking. and the morale how oh. how lovely that would be to feel appreciated and have other people say they they care and recognize us right i mean that goes without saying but i mean just think about it just the the the, the visuals of this showing me with those awful 19 <laughs> 1990s uh those big shouldered suits and oh goodness my hair and all that and it, you know it's fun just to laugh at those old images they didn't have anything at all and um the the contrast and this is this is what really got us going was that uh one of our male anchors who was celebrating his 20 years at new york one um they just pulled out all the stops for him oh and had goodness. a massive celebration and they spent a lot of money apparently and they had commercials and promotions and all of that so at oh that point goodness. i realized okay i'm i'm on my way out it's, it was pretty clear is this management, uh, this new management, uh, are they mostly male or they also have women? It is uh, mostly male at the top. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that's typical for your industry? Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so I'm just curious, Roma, as a psychotherapist, you know, I'm trying to think about how you must have felt, you know, being basically passed over and then all this celebration going on. I mean, how do you deal with the feelings that that must have engendered? Well, uh, obviously it hurt a lot and uh, I didn't understand why, you know, I mean, just from a simple, you know, you mentioned morale. Okay. That's, that's within our newsroom culture. And that certainly made no sense to me, but from a business standpoint, and we're talking about, you know, the, a profit-making venture this company is that they didn't see the the potential in in celebrating not not just me but the whole st they didn't even mark the 25 years of New York One so mm -hmm. I just thought wow I mean they, they could they could have gotten so much interest and attention by putting me out there. So it made no sense. And it was really a missed opportunity because many of our viewers have been with us since the very beginning. So they would have been celebrating right along with us. Right. I see. And you really have, it sounds like, I mean, I'm upstate, so I, I, I'm not privy to your, mm -hmm. to your channel, but it sounds like it's a very special channel. And that from what I understand, it's kind of near and dear to New Yorkers hearts. Is that, is that right? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know what it is? We we were uh, when we started at New York One. Our our um, visionary founder was a wonderful gentleman named uh, Richard Aurelio, who's still with us, thank God. Um, I mean, he's not with the company; he's retired long ago. But he's you know very much alive and kicking. And uh, it was his dream to establish um, a hometown news channel for uh -huh. New Yorkers, and it was essentially you know built on this model of no frills. And uh, we were, we all had to be uh, New Yorkers. Um, they couldn't expect us to be all born and bred, but we all had to be living in New York City and be very uh, attuned to the culture of the city. Um, and he liked the idea that some of us had New York 
thick New York <laughs> accents. <laughs> right. And, you know, he wanted sure. us to look and sound like real New Yorkers, which, mm-hmm. you know, was a, a wonderful concept. And so that's how we started. And it was like it, a gritty station, right? Right, uh, right. It was the At, end- Real, yeah, real life. I'll give you this example, uh, Nicole. When I first started, you know, it was hard to get your questions answered at a press conference because we were still the upstart. And (laughs) then after a while, it became, you ask the question because I'll answer your question because we are, we established ourselves as we're clever the city 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We Uh are there for New Yorkers. Right. Uh And it did, it caught on. It caught on in Mm -hmm. a very, very big way. And we did have a lot of followers. And I mean, we we still do, obviously. So (laughs) it doesn't have a generic feel of some of the other uh, broadcasts. Um, generic? No, I mean uh, uh, we are very homegrown New Yorkers, and uh-huh. you know we still we tell I'm the proud. story. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm very proud. And to be honest with you, for the longest time, nobody wanted to leave New York. One, even though <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm the first to admit that the the pay isn't the the greatest, you know, relative to other New York City news channels. But it was a family atmosphere and it was a you know a team effort we all worked so well together mm-hmm. and um so the turnover was very very light in the in there and we used to laugh you'd have to commit a crime <laughs> in order to leave new york one i see <laughs> that so was a saying yes yeah. very cohesive and felt unusual now was it a clear change when uh the company was bought out is that where sort of this this happened or had it been uh, developing even earlier? It was when the new company came in. It was just a completely different mandate. And they had a different approach. They were not from the city. They're from Connecticut. They were not familiar with New York One. They were not familiar with us. They didn't want to get to know us. (laughs) You know, we really kind of were written off before they even Uh decided to establish a relationship with any of us. Yeah, Uh it it seemed pretty clear that Mm -hmm. they they were going with this model of having younger, prettier faces on the air. Uh-huh. And so I think just simply by virtue of the fact that we were older, they thought maybe we wouldn't sell as well or it, we weren't as attractive enough for television news. You know, we called it the foxification of the, of, of the news broadcast because um, you see that, you know, the, the standard look on Fox and I mean it's it's been replicated elsewhere is you know very very you know beautiful women you know beautifully thin with that anchor dress that they all wear and very show the legs a lot of blonde shoes. hair right and Good you know hair, yeah. a lot of very pretty beauty queen type looks mm-hmm. and, and so they Nicole, were trying to we should that. we should say that you know our complaints are with management and not with our colleagues because we have some very talented younger colleagues. Mm-hmm. That, the thing is, they are also going to get older, and they're going to have to deal with this. This doesn't change just because they're the ones who are younger now. So we are really fighting for them as well, and yep. hopefully they're starting to see that as we continue to go in there every day and work hard and do our job. Does it set up an, an awkwardness between you and the younger women? It depends on who. Some. Yeah, some it does and some it doesn't. Some have gotten it right from the very beginning. Others have still don't understand it and are angry and that's you know they'll they'll understand it at some point i'm sure um but you know for the most part i think they've come around wouldn't you say roma aside from a select few a lot of uh, look we um we have you know as i mentioned it was it was a family environment Mm -hmm. at, at new york one i mean i still regard it as a family and 
when the younger um, when the younger producers and, and news assistants come in, I'm happy to mentor them if you know they ask. I mean, I'm not shoving myself down their throats, but you know, just by virtue of the years of experience that I've had, and mm-hmm. you know, you writing my writing muscle is uh, <laughs> is <laughs> is pretty in tune right now, so I can help them get better in their work, but some of them relish it and others you know, want no, no part of us. And it's unfortunate because I, I just really feel we could accomplish so much more if we're all willing to work together. Mm-hmm. We have more than 100 years of experience in New York One's newsroom alone, aside from the other jobs that we've held in the past. I see. Wow. Hi, everyone. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down, and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. So how did this go? You said, Roma, it was very clear that uh, your anniversary there was passed up um, and uh, your um, someone in your cohort, uh, a man, was celebrated. They put a lot of resources into it. Who first said, you know, this is not going anywhere and I need to take it up another level? Uh, well, that's funny because individually, I think, uh, well, there, there are five of us uh, co-plaintiffs in this lawsuit, but individually, each one of us, I think, at some point came to the realization that we didn't have much of a future in this new dynamic, in this newsroom. And so uh, I think it was, at some, well, you know what it is, what tipped me off with was Kristen, most <laughs> particularly. I really thought... You know, I was approaching 60 at that point, and I thought, wow, you know, I have to come to terms with the fact that older women are not on the air. And 
um, I just thought that they were going to phase me out. And uh, I obviously was fighting it, but it, it didn't seem that strange to me that this would be happening to someone like me. Kristen is a lot younger than me, and they were doing that to her. And when I, when I saw that, it really got my dander up because Kristen is such an amazing journalist, and she does it all. And she's just, she's so competent on the air. And not only that, she looks great too. So mm -hmm. it made no sense to me that they were trying to push Kristen out, but it was so clear that they were. Um, she, she was the main sub anchor in the mornings. She, she, I think she had something like, you know, 50 days subbing in the mornings, which are obviously the most watched times. Was, that's the, the, the news slot that gets the highest ratings. So all of a sudden, uh, with the new management, she went from 50-something to zero. They weren't putting her on the air at all in the morning. Wow. And yeah. that, that just That's made extreme. no sense. So when I saw that, that really, that just, that burned my blood. And I said, <laughs> we got to do something. And then one by one, we all kind of got together and realized, you know, we had a case. Mm-hmm. What was that like to get together and say, we've got to take this up in the legal system? It was it was a difficult decision, I think, for scary. all of us. It was very scary. We we all went back and forth, back and forth. It's a big decision. You realize, you know, these are careers that we love, and you realize that you could be killing your career, but this is a bigger issue, and it's not just the five of us. This is happening to men and women all over the country and all over the world. So at some point, somebody's got to stand up, and we have a platform, and we said it's time to use that platform. It was, I mean, it was a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of back and forth, but ultimately, you have to stand up for the truth, and so that's what we're doing. Yeah, right. I mean, you know what, Nicole, right to the last minute, mm -hmm. um, some of us were trying to back out of it, saying, no, ah. we're not, we're this this is going to be foolish and you know we were counseled by family members friends some of us had you know uh, family members in the legal profession and we were getting all sorts of different advice and but mostly what we were hearing was uh this is the end of your careers you're oh going my to, goodness you are going to destroy you'll, any future that you have in this business be because pariahs. right mm -hmm. nobody wants to work with whiners nobody wants to work with somebody who's you know who's, well you're whistleblowers too exactly mm -hmm. exactly how and so then you uh eventually got the uh the name the new york city five <laughs> of the new york one five yeah um i think that was coined by somebody on facebook actually one of our viewers and it has uh -huh. kind of has kind of stuck. And then the New York City Council has introduced legislation based on our case, um, anti-age discrimination uh, legislation, which we're happy that they did that. Sad that and we need did, it. <laughs> did you report on that? Vivian and Amanda and Marisol testified at the City Council hearing. We did not uh -huh. report on it. <laughs> yeah. So you, you know, you've really, you've dedicated your life to this really tough uh, profession, and now you're going to do something else that's pretty tough. Yes. Which is well, the, the lawsuit. The yeah. lawsuit. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you see your, do you identify yourself as women who are particularly strong and uh, um, rebellious or not not necessarily? Well, you know, let me just add to this. You know, you're asking how it felt and what it was like, you know, trying to make this decision. Yes. Um, Kristen and I 
uh, shared <laughs> something that we had in common that we didn't even realize. But leading up to the lawsuit, that those last couple of years before you know we decided to you know pull the trigger and go ahead with it, we had a lot of very rest uh, restless uh, sleepless nights mm -hmm. because. We just didn't know what to do. We were so anxiety-ridden about the, the treatment that we were receiving and how clear it was that they were probably going to try to um, not renew our contracts, et cetera. And so uh, I, the day that we filed the lawsuit was one of the most anxiety-ridden of all my, <laughs> my entire life because I was wow. so afraid mm -hmm. of how it was going to go down. But after that, I've, I really honestly haven't had... Uh, a sleepless night since it's been I, I just my conscience is clear and I feel I I empowered myself I did everything I could mm -hmm. to call attention to this injustice and this discriminatory treatment that that um, we had felt so at that point mm -hmm. I realized we did make the right decision you know despite all of the back and forth the and, worries, and sure. the doubts and the worries. Yeah. yeah. I think we finally made the right decision. We very did. in line with your values ultimately. So you could feel some peace about it. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been easy, obviously, but I, I just feel I'm at peace with myself. I am. I feel like I did the right thing. It's easy when you have the truth on your side. It's just yeah. hard in the day to day because you are still working a full time and a fairly intense job. And this certainly doesn't make it, you know, any easier. So. So you went into the studio, and did you know when your uh, employers were going to receive notice? Were you were you aware when this this was going to uh, break? Should I tell the story, Roma? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we knew it was going to happen. They have kept Janine and Amanda basically away from the newsroom. They shoot and edit by themselves every day, so they're not there. Vivian is only there three days a week. So it was just Rome and I who were going to be in the newsroom that day. And I wanted to get out of the newsroom because we knew it was going to become public. So I went on my story. Roma was in the morning meeting. And Roma, you can take it from there. But the New York Times alert went off on everyone's phones. And as I've been told the story many times by many of our colleagues, everybody looked down at their phones. Then they looked up at Roma and she looked at them like, yep, that's right. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a movie scene. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then what did you do after that, Roma? You walk right well, down the middle of the newsroom. The meet, Everybody was like in shock. And then <laughs> I got up and I walked, uh, you know, the news, it's a very big open space there. And I walked through the newsroom and I got a bunch of high fives. I got, <gasps> uh, people were cheering me on. There was a, there were clicks of people standing together and they grabbed me and gave me a big hug. Uh, and in some cases, they wanted to hug me in front of our manager's offices. And, you know, these are the people we're suing. And I said, you know, no, no, we should keep our distance. You don't, you don't want to, you know, be with me at this point. And they were like, no, no, we want to show solidarity. Oh. So that felt yeah. really, really good. And I that, can't, you can't, you can't write that any, no. any better. Yeah, and, that's true. And I was down at Manhattan Criminal Court. And again, I had thought once we filed, no one's going to talk to me in that newsroom except for Roma. So we were down there. I was with one of our shooters who was just amazingly supportive. And she was like, good for you. Finally, someone's calling it out. We all see it. And then I was going through the courthouse and I had police officers and court officers. I mean, this had just broke and people were coming up to me and it was really, really nice. It was getting, our phones were just blowing up. Oh yeah. my 
goodness, I can't imagine what that must have felt like, given that you were, you know, understandably so nervous about the backlash. We had no idea what it would be like. And then it it was great. Then I went to Rikers Island to cover another story and the support there was wonderful. In fact, one of our old colleagues said, I have to stop my car and come and give you a hug, which was really nice. And then when I got back to the newsroom, I experienced a lot of what Roma experienced. Yep. And, you know, it was, and from that point on, it was like a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And then it hit newspapers all over the world. And I mean, not just in, in our country, but we heard from, I heard from a friend in Macedonia and said, oh my God, you're my champion. (laughs) Oh oh Um, my goodness. It was in China. It was in Japan. It was in Australia. It was in Ireland. It was in England Mm -hmm. and women from all over the planet were sending us notes and not only cheering us on, but then telling us their tales of woe and how they had felt similar mistreatment in their workplace. And, you know, I I heard from, you won't believe this, I heard from women who um, had been in the Obama administration and couldn't get hired anywhere after they they left Washington because of their age. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it was like, wow, you know, and somebody actually said, well, you started a movement. I mean, that wasn't our aim necessarily, but if Mm -hmm. it is that big enough to change the game for Mm -hmm. thousands, millions of women in the world. Well, Mm -hmm. I I feel, wow, that's just a a wonderful benefit of something that we just felt had had to be done. And you have some pretty influential supporters. We do. We do. Um, Maria Shriver was nice enough to let us write a, a column for her. Um, we have heard from a number of politicians, Rama, who have given their support. A lot of the borough presidents, that has been nice. The mayor has given his support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm trying to think of how Katie Couric um, supported us. Lin-Manuel Miranda sent a, a lovely, <laughs> a lovely uh, tweet uh, on our behalf. So, uh, I mean, thank you, Lynn. <laughs> He's wow. a great guy. Yeah, That's so wonderful. we're really touched by that. And when Roma, Roma's our theater critic and very well known in the theater community. And when you go to the theater with her, you see the support and it's just wonderful. Oh my goodness. It's really changed your lives. Yeah. I mean, and unintentionally, believe mm-hmm. me, I mean, that, you know, that's another part of it too. As journalists, and I regard myself as a journalist of the old school, and I know I, I'm sure that probably ages me even further, but... Um, <laughs> I, I go by the understanding that we're not the story. Right. We tell other stories. We're mm-hmm. conduits. And so it's difficult for us to be at the center of the story. I mean, even talking to you now about it, it's a little odd because um, I report on other people. We're it's, supposed to I, be interviewing you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we ask the questions. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little, it's awkward for us. It's Yeah, it's strange. That's right. I can, I can imagine that. So what would be the best outcome of this? What would, what would make you feel really pleased and happy as this, uh, this is adjudicated? That, Um, men who decided we were too old are not allowed to dictate that our careers are over if we're doing a good job. If you're doing the work, if you're working hard, you Mm -hmm. should be allowed to continue in your careers. Mm -hmm. So we would like that. Um, There are other things we'd like as well, like a change in management. We'll see what we get. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we just, we, as I said before, and we, this was sort of our mantra, change the game. We want people to realize that women of a certain age have a lot to contribute and Mm -hmm. there's no reason why we have to have a shelf life 
while our male <laughs> colleagues can get gray and wrinkled and they can mm -hmm. stay on the air, you know, well past their prime. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I do, I feel like I'm in my prime. I, I think I'm as good as I'll ever be um, mm -hmm. by virtue of the fact that I, I feel very comfortable on the air and I feel comfortable having had um, experienced so much in the past and I can use that to add perspective and context in my um, in my news reporting. And I mean, these are things that don't come that quickly nor, nor easily, but if you've been in the business as long as I have, you would think that those are attributes that you want to celebrate, not to discard. Mm -hmm. So here, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, they are right. Institutional right. knowledge is, is a very big thing and it's a valuable uh, tool, particularly in news, because you have to have context, as Roma said, to past events and to past officials. So it all, there is room at the table for everyone, but there is definitely room for institutional knowledge and experience. That's, yeah, it's interesting. I had a woman call me. I'm a, a psychotherapist, and she said, I tried to see this other woman, but she was in her 20s, and she had no life experience. Mm -hmm. I just didn't think it would be a good fit. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was an interesting comment, you know, wanting to talk to someone who, as you said, has a context and um, has had some lived experience, really has value. Um, and, you, you know, uh, Nicole, let me just add one thing. Yeah, that's that's why generally in a newsroom there's a pecking order and there are rites of passage and mm -hmm. you you don't get to be an anchor until you've been reporting in the field for a certain amount of time so mm -hmm. that you can you know gain the experience that you need in order to be able to to have that voice of authority when you do on the air and people hear you and you can gain their trust as someone who knows what they're talking about, but to put people on the air straight out of out of journalism school or wherever they mm -hmm. went to went to get their training without having gained all that experience that you would in the field is unfortunate and and mistakes will be made and i think you know this this new uh concept of um of putting younger people on the air you know without the experience is going to get newsrooms into a lot of trouble and it may be contributing to this kind of distrust that uh, there is in the in the the community uh -huh. uh, for the media I mean, they don't look at us in the same i mean as i was saying this the other night there are no walter cronkites in the on the air anymore you know uh -huh. there's there's no voice of authority that everybody says well if uncle walter said it it must be true I see. there's nobody on the air that that has you know carries that kind of of weight and authority and that's unfortunate that's really interesting you know what i was i was thinking who's a very notable exception is judy woodruff lover mm -hmm. yeah yeah can you tell me about how she has been able to stay on the air because she is obviously a woman of years and um I don't know. You know, she's she's very much of an exception. Yeah, I, I would say she and Andrea Mitchell, right? Or yeah, or two um, two of the only older female no, correspondents. You know, to be honest with you, there are quite a few, and I'm you know at the network level. At the network level, yes, yeah. Locally, not in the local news. <laughs> locally, it's hard. Yes. It is, but at yeah. the network level, mm -hmm. I think you know they they've come to the to the reality or the understanding that you really. There, there is great value in older people, not just older men or older women, older people who know what's going on in the world. And so Judy Woodruff is certainly 
you know, uh, although for every Judy Woodruff, there's 10 older women at the networks who were forced out. And that part is unfortunate. But uh, the, the, the lucky ones like Judy, um, I'm thinking of, um, well, Andrea Mitchell, certainly. There, there are a bunch of them. I can't even think. It's terrible that they're not coming to mind right now. But Because you're <laughs> sleep deprived, I'm sure. <laughs> when we went to Emmy, Roma's <laughs> Emmy induction, there were a lot of older women uh, in TV there. And they all understood exactly what our case was about. And they were glad we were fighting, that somebody had called it out. So for everyone to have these similar shared experiences, there's something to it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear you because when you were describing, you know, this is a calling. This isn't, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't get paid as much as you might think we do. This is hard. You know, we want to, this is kind of in our blood and and really wanting to contribute, I think, to the greater good. Mm -hmm. And this is... This has evolved uh, uh, way past, I think, what you had imagined <laughs> in really contributing to the greater good. And the time is now. Women are ready for this. I, You know, that's true. I mean, the, the culture with the Me Too movement and now the mm-hmm. conviction of Harvey Weinstein, yes. uh, the tide has turned, certainly. And I think mm-hmm. people are just taking a second look and realizing that um, they, they've, they've got to regard women in a different way. And so where are we now in the process? Uh, two, so two parts to this. Where are we in the process and what can our listeners do to support you? Well, the best way to support us would be on social media. We're on okay. all the platforms. It's Unseen on TV or Unseen Women on TV, depending okay. on the platform. Mm-hmm. And then the five of us are on most or all of the platforms. Mm-hmm. And then as for the case, we're just kind of waiting for legal proceedings to be addressed and then we'll see what happens from there yeah and we just encourage women to stand up for themselves Mm -hmm. and uh look i know it's very intimidating at work (laughs) um and uh, these stories that women have told us and they're pouring their hearts out about how badly they were treated in their newsrooms um and it's it's just it's unforgivable uh and, and inexcusable yet they've got to stand up in one way or another and and you know, t- to be honest, we've, the five of us have talked about starting some kind of foundation to help women in these situations uh, cope with the, their management and their poor um, treatment in the, in the newsrooms or in any workplace, because it, it's, it's got to stop. It's, it's very um, ingrained discrimination in our society. So we have to change the way of thinking because this has been going on for so long that mm-hmm. people don't even realize that it's happening until you really look at it closely. And then as one of our co-plaintiffs, Janine Ramirez, says, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. You know, that that true, that brought to mind um, somewhere I had read that ageism is the last acceptable-ism mm-hmm. because there is this sort of built-in discrimination against older people, but um, particularly women in the workplace. And it's accepted. Um, and I, I mean, I'm telling you, as I mentioned earlier, I was kind of accepted in my case. I just thought, well, you know, you're not getting any younger. You're right. getting older and, and maybe it is time to leave. Why? Why is it time? I had, I had to reassess and say, why? I'm really, right. I'm good at what I do. I don't know why <laughs> I would have to leave just because I'm a little older. Um, so we, we've got to change the mindset. That's not mm-hmm. going to be easy, obviously, but people have to have to see that women 
of a certain age have plenty to contribute. I mean, my God, look at <laughs> look at Elizabeth Warren, seventy years old, and um, she she nailed all of her debates. You know, she mm-hmm. she put billionaire <laughs> um, oh yeah Michael Bloomberg uh, in a corner, and I mean yeah. the, the poor guy was devastated. Uh, and I, I think you know day one on that on that debate stage, she knocked him right out of the out of the race. Yeah. Um, yep. So look look how vital she is, and how you know tough and sharp and this is this is what we all have to look forward to hopefully that you know we we have that kind of future and we want the world to recognize that and i think it starts at the top you just need more diversity in age in gender in race at the top because you need to have more voices in the room absolutely yeah, I think you're you're really um, amplifying uh, this issue, and that it's it's just in so many versions, and I hear it from so many different guests in their own you know lives or in their own ways. Not not that they're uh, anchor women, but uh, that they're just they they feel like they they're ready to step up, and they're not they're not willing to be invisible once mm-hmm. they hit menopause mm. that that's just not acceptable and that they're proving proving uh this uh is just purely discrimination and in fact i was just interviewing people who are master athletes and the same kind of thinking is you know oh when i get older i can't do my athletic event and these are women 60 70 80 mm. and they travel the world you know, their whole lives are are, are about uh, practicing their events and meeting in the in their international <laughs> competitive conferences, um, and it's it's just fabulous to watch that. Mm. And I think as women get older, you just you find your voice more and more with every decade, mm-hmm. and that probably doesn't go over as well either with bosses who would like mm-hmm. you to be a little bit more just okay, whatever you need, whatever you want, right, without questioning decisions. Right, right. And so there's not necessarily a timeline here. You're 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 sort of in limbo waiting uh-huh. to hear the next yeah. How's that? Just the waiting. How's that been for you? Uh well, you know, the thing is we all love our jobs mm-hmm. and we are newswomen through and through and and we enjoy coming in and doing that thing that, you know, we've been trained to do that we love so much. So, you know, the the waiting it's it's a little frustrating that things are moving so slowly but on the other hand um, we get to show up for work every day mm-hmm. you know unlike other lawsuits related to their you know job experience um, we have not been fired and we mm-hmm. are still showing up for work every day so um, mm-hmm. that kind of compensates for the fact that um, we're in this predicament in this precarious position here where we really don't know what our future holds for us um, but we we go day to day, mm-hmm. and you can see how much support you have. Yeah. That makes all the difference. It really it, does. It really and, does. Yeah. And from the younger the younger folks as well. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there have been so many of them say, you know, we get it. We totally get it. Mm-hmm. And we are, we are not out to displace anybody. You know, I I think right. so many of the younger women that we work with are extremely talented, and you know they deserve to do what they're doing. We're just saying don't take us out and put Mm -hmm. them in our place let us us share the space you know Mm -hmm. well it's an intergenerational model of we all have something to contribute and we can all learn from each other right exactly 
Well, I am hoping that you are all staying healthy and well and as rested as you can. I know it must be really uh, exhausting reporting, <laughs> uh, being a reporter right now, and mm -hmm. we appreciate you doing that. Well, thank you so much for taking time out uh, to speak with me and, and help us understand what's going on and actually, you know, allowing us to, to root for you and support you as well. Well, we you, appreciate Nicole. that. Yeah. Thank you, Nicole. Yeah, we totally. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. In this phase of our lives, we're more aware that our time is precious, and we certainly don't want to waste it taking care of stuff that we no longer need, left over from a life that we are no longer living. We know we would feel better with less clutter and more open space, but we don't know how to get there. If this sounds familiar, I'd love you to check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. This course is different than others you may have tried because we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and tools to help you face the overwhelm and feelings that come up when you're going through your clutter. It's practical and realistic, and the lessons are short and punchy and very manageable, but it has the power to change your life. We all deserve to live in a peaceful home without the chaos of too much stuff. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. <music> <music>